0: Jesus, we're grateful for the truth that we just sung, that you are the King of all kings, the King of all nations, that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord, that you are the King. So God, today as we gather together in this place, may we make your name known. gather together in this place as one body, your church, to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can find a seat this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Devin Arredondo. I'm our student pastor, one of our student pastors over all of 7th through 12th grade. So pray for me. Uh, Just kidding. I love it. Uh, It's um, it's my calling. It's why I do what I do. But this morning, I want to start us off with a little bit of fun. And uh, I want to do a couple of hot takes. If you don't know what a hot take is, let me enlighten you. Let me help you know what that is. A hot take is simply an unpopular opinion that you have that you know is pretty maybe divisive or uh, a little shocking for other people. And so I wanted to start us off, have a little bit of fun together this morning. If you're watching online, feel free to type some in in the comments. I'd love to go back later and read some of your hot takes. But I'm going to start with mine. So without further ado, here are some of... Devin Arredondo, my hot takes, which inevitably will probably change your opinion of me, but I'm okay with that because it's all in good fun. The first one is a hot dog is in fact a sandwich. A hot dog is in fact a sandwich. Now this one... Uh, I originally was on the other side of this take. I was very much a hot dog is not a sandwich, but then I started thinking about it more and more and more, and the more I thought about it, a hot dog is what? It is a piece of meat with some vegetables and maybe some condiments, maybe no vegetables, whatever you prefer, between two pieces of bread. I mean, what is more sandwich than that, right? And so it is about as sandwiched as it gets. So that's maybe a light one for some of you. The next one, we're going to get progressively a little more uh, controversial maybe. Uh, The next one is that The Fast and the Furious is a better franchise in its entirety than Star Wars. (laughs) If you're watching online and you can't hear, the whole room just let out an audible gasp. Uh, I know this is uh, shocking, and this one has been a long time coming. The first two Fast and Furious movies were very mediocre at best. But as I was writing this hot take in the coffee shop at Onyx last uh, couple weeks ago, actually, one of the biggest Star Wars fans I know and love, a good friend of mine, and maybe many of you know her as well, Ellie Treyweek, walked in. If you know Ellie... And you know, she is about the biggest Star Wars fan you could ever imagine, and I wish y'all could have seen her face when I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just walked in. Let me tell you this hot take of mine. Her jaw just went to the floor, like, I, and she literally said, I want to punch you right now. <laughs> And rightfully so, but hear me out for just a second. The action, it's second to none, right? Like I'm talking ludicrous scenes like Dom and Brian jumping sports cars from building to building is crazy, y'all. The Rock redirecting a missile with his bare hands. Insanity. The plots, they're, they're similar. Yet they keep evolving the family themes of the movie, keep wishing you had a ride-or-die group, just like Dominic Toretto. Hasn't been boxed in by a certain formula, continues to move from genre to genre. It's an incredible franchise. The newest one just came out this weekend, haven't seen it yet, so don't tell me if you've already seen it. The last one and the one that really is going to put me, uh, you're going to want to run over me with a bus or something, I don't know, but Chick-fil-A is the most overrated fast food restaurant of all time. <laughs> we've got, we're already so divided. We've got some clapping, we've got some booze. Uh, it, it's, it's okay, y'all. Like, it's good, but that's it. Yes, the service is incredible, but can I eat the service? No, I ultimately do not rate food by how fast it comes to me. No, I rate it by how it tastes. And it's good, but it's not like the best thing ever invented. It's not sent from heaven like so many of us believe. No, it's just okay. And my good friends and my wife as well very much disagree with me, but that's okay. All right, so now that everybody hates me, um, you might be thinking, why in the world do we play this little game today? What in the world are we doing? Well, I love hot takes because it brings some lightheartedness, brings some levity to a real problem that we have. We are divided, right? Like, we are divided. It doesn't take much to look around and discover that as a humanity, we are divided. And now, I'm only 32, so take this with a grain of salt. But it seems, for my lifetime, to be worse than it has ever been before. Now, some of you that have lived a little bit longer than me, you probably have a different experience, and that's okay. Uh, I'm not sure. But either way, it's pretty easy to see that we are divided. But it's not new, right? In fact, it's simply history repeating itself over and over again. We specialize as humanity in like the I am right rallies, right? Like we love to assign value to things that don't really matter like Chick-fil-A and movies. They don't really matter. We write books about what the other group is doing wrong, right? We're experts in finding out gossip and unveiling weaknesses within the other groups. We split into these little huddles, and then God forbid we disagree with that little huddle. So then we split again until finally we have a group of people where we can look around knowing that we all agree with everything and we can proclaim to each other, these are my people, right? Like, that's what we do. But are our differences that divisive? Are our opinions that obtrusive? Are our walls really that wide that it's impossible to find a common cause? Really? What if I told you that the Bible teaches us that as followers of Jesus, we should approach the many cultural things that divide us with the same lightheartedness of hot takes. And then what if I told you, scripture actually goes a step further to say that if we will not stand in unity together as believers, then we are not walking in step with the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we are unwilling to surrender to the authority of Jesus. Ouch. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? So we're going to look at a few passages together throughout Scripture and look at a theme that runs all throughout God's story, starting on the very first pages of Genesis. And the theme is this, that God's desire for His people has always been to bring all of humanity into one diverse and connected family Under the authority of Jesus Christ. God's desire, say that again, for his people has always been to bring all of humanity into one diverse family under the authority of Jesus. And so our big picture for today is this. Christianity is the most culturally diverse religious movement in the history of the human race. Did you hear that? Christianity is the most culturally diverse religious movement in the history of the human race. I mean, really think about this for a moment. We have all of these global adventures here at Grace Point Church. Before COVID hit, we were able to travel the globe teaching others the good news of gosp- the good news of the gospel, extending the gospel of Jesus to all different types of people. But when you flip it, if you go to Asia, Asia is a very Buddhist country. Buddhism is very prevalent. It's a culture and a religion. Judaism, it's, it's not really a culturally diverse thing. It's kind of set aside for Jewish people. And when you go to Israel, you'll see a prevalent race and culture and religion. Same thing with the Muslim religion. religion. It's very Middle Eastern culturally speaking. But not Christianity. Christianity. It is the most culturally diverse religious movement in all of history. Think about how truly radical the message of Jesus is. I mean, it transcends and supersedes all ethnic origin and beginning. The name of Jesus is transforming lives all over the globe for white people, for brown people, for Asian people, in Asian cultures, in African cultures. The good news of Jesus is a global movement that transcends Transcends all race and culture. Jesus changes the lives of everyone. So why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, because big picture, the global church is the most diverse religious movement ever. But when you start looking church by church by church locally, I don't think it takes much for us to realize that this grand vision that Scripture sets out before us of God's new humanity, God's new creation, is being lost. And often, God's church locally is not very, very diverse. So, we're going to jump around throughout Scripture today, but mainly we're going to stay in ephesians together so if you brought your bibles you can go ahead and open up to ephesians we're going to jump from chapter to chapter here a little bit but before we dive into ephesians it's important to understand that for most of the world religion is tied to ethnicity maybe an easy way to understand that i'm part hispanic Okay, so culturally speaking, that means usually I'm tied to Catholicism, because that's kind of how my culture and background worked. For America, it's hard for us to think this way, right? But for the rest of the world, this is how it is. In fact, even though we might not think of it this way, if you talk to um, a Muslim person, someone outside of our nation, they associate... Americans with Christianity. In their minds, Christianity is very much, it's a Western thing only. It's an American thing only. And and so what we need to understand is for the rest of the world, ethnicity, nationality, and religion, they go together. This is really important because this is exactly the context that we step into. This is exactly how it would have been for the audience that Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to two very diverse people groups who are now all trying to follow Jesus, and they are not having it with each other, right? They're both living in Ephesus, Jews and Gentiles, and they just can't get along. They can't agree, And so for the biblical authors, something that we need to keep in the back of our minds is that one of the defining characteristics of the nations is that they are divided, which is why the gospel of Jesus isn't the gospel if it does not unify all sorts of different type of people into one giant family. So here we are in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. And this is the plan. At the right time, he, meaning Christ, will bring everything together. Another phrase there is unify. The Greek translation is a unify, bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. So notice what Paul is laying out here. The big picture of Ephesians, real quick, we don't have time to dive into it. Uh, But the big picture of Ephesians is this. We are identified as those who are in Christ Jesus. And this changes our identity, which is then supposed to challenge the divisive norms that we live in. Why? Because remember, Jesus is all about bringing all of the fragments of society into one family, united under his name. So now jump to Ephesians chapter 2 with me, 14 through 15. Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 15. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Now, pause here for just a moment. Paul, what are you talking about? You mean Jesus is the one that brings peace between me and God? Yes, that's part of it. But it goes even further. Notice Paul says, brings peace to us. Us, It's the plural in Greek there. Yes, it's part of it. God brings peace, between, Jesus brings peace between us and God, but there's even more. Let's keep reading. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people group when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Jesus is unifying two very different groups. So what's Paul getting at here? When Jesus went to the cross to uh, defeat sin in the grave, Jesus did not just bridge the gap between you and God. Jesus bridges the gap between you and all of humanity. Even the people who you think are not your people. Jesus is bringing peace to every group that doesn't like each other. Every group that needs reconciling and then commanding peace. Peace between Jew and Gentile. But let's bring it into today's context, because often I think it's easy to read through Scripture and be like, man, those Jews and Gentiles, why won't they just get along, right? But in today's context, peace between men and women. Peace between black and white. Peace between Democrat and Republican. Peace between people who wear masks and people who don't wear masks. Peace between vaccinated people and unvaccinated people. Do you see the tension now? Do you feel it? This is what Paul is addressing, that there is now peace between everyone through Christ, even people who you think are not your people, the people who you disagree with the most. Jesus came to unify even you through his name. Jesus has torn down the dividing wall of hostility by giving up his life for all, forever. Jesus gave his life for everyone, forever. Look at Romans 13, 9 with me real quickly. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you've probably heard this passage before. And Paul's actually uh, quoting Jesus here. And we often refer to this as maybe the golden rule, something like that. Romans thirteen nine, Paul writes this. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet these and other such commandments are summed up in, this is the very same word that Paul is using to apply to Jesus unifying all of the nations. They're summed up in, brought together, unified in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul is laying out this theological concept that Jesus is here to unite all of the nations into one family and that he's united all of the commandments into one command to love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the picture I want you to think of. It's almost as if, like, because of what happened back in Genesis chapter 3, the fall, right, There's this fracturing, right, a splintering that happens throughout time and history, this disconnection that happens. Not only are we disconnected from God because of sin entering into the world, but Adam and Eve are then disconnected from each other. And then because of sin entering the world, they're they're disconnected from God's beautiful creation because of sin. And then when you keep reading, Cain and Abel, who are brothers who just can't get along, one brother ends up killing the other because of sin. And then you get to the Tower of Babel where finally there's a little bit of unity, but the unity is not under the authority of Christ. The unity is to make a name for themselves, to do something evil, and then even more separating and disconnection from each other comes we see this beautiful creation that god has made and then boom it's all destroyed and shattered and fragmented out how many of you have ever been putting up dishes and like that one glass slips out of your hands and it just shatters all over the floor right Have you ever done that? You drop a glass in the kitchen, and it just goes everywhere, right? Like if you have uh, animals and children, you're like, no, get out of the kitchen. This is like the worst thing that ever could have happened. The floor is now like lava or acid. Don't you dare come in here. If you've got bare feet, you better go miles away because there are fragments of glass like everywhere, right? And then you go to clean it up, and it's crazy because you start sweeping up some of the glass. And then it's like you walk 10 feet in this direction, and it's like, how did glass get all the way over here, Anyone experience this? am not the only one. And then you like walk over to the living room and you're like, oh my gosh, there's still pieces of glass over here. These fragments and pieces just go everywhere. You're like, "Oh, maybe try a little bit of glue. No, right? Like there's no way a little bit of glue is fixing all of the millions of pieces, thousands of pieces, hundreds of pieces that have shattered. Well, this is our humanity now. The disconnection between all of these different things in this fragmented world that we live in. What does Jesus do? Within himself, by going to the cross, he gathers up all of the pieces. He gathers every single fragment of shattered glass that seems like there's no possible way to fix it all. And within himself, he brings it all back together to be unified into what he calls the new humanity. What scripture teaches us is the new creation that this world can and will receive peace yet again, just like back in the garden at the very beginning of it all. If you're still with me, open up to Ephesians chapter two, sixteen. Are you still with me? Yes. Are you still with me? There we go. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, 16. Together, as one body, again, here's this language, together, one, united, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Do you hear that, everyone? See, our hostility has already been put to death through the name of Jesus Christ. Now, whether or not we want to realize it is a different thing entirely, but Jesus puts it to death on the cross. Ephesians two seventeen. and we're just going to rapid fire some of these, so try and stay with me here. Ephesians 2, 17, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, but also he brought peace to the Jews who were near to him. Now, All of us can come to the Father through what? Through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings. Why? Because they belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. It is the only thing that matters. Do you hear this language that Paul is laying before us? Do we realize that we have more in common with someone who believes in Jesus but may sit on the opposite political spectrum of us than we do with someone who might think the same way politically. They might follow the same political party, but they do not follow Jesus. Do we recognize that we have more in common with this person? We share the same inheritance with this person than oftentimes when we say, these are my people. And I hope what's happening here is Paul is stepping on our toes a little bit and he's saying, hey, y'all, it's time we start redefining our people. Who are our people? The people who say, yes, I'm following Jesus. Ephesians chapter four, verse two through six, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort, To keep yourselves, here's the word again, united in the spirit. United in what? Not united in different opinions, not united in any other hot takes, united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Which if you remember, where does peace come from? Only from Jesus. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. One Father, one spirit over all living in all. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Stay with me, I know. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. The body, again, is that singular term, the body of Christ, that there is one body of Christ. And this will continue... Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of what? God's son. That we will be mature. In the Lord. And I know I just rattled off so much scripture, and this is a deep dive, and there's so many more that we could look at. This theme starts in Genesis and continues to Revelation. At its very essence, though, the Bible is teaching us that what God is doing in the story of humanity is unifying diverse nations into one new humanity. But we have to be careful here because unity is not the same as uniformity. The Bible displays a unity that doesn't erase or marginalize anyone's cultural differences, but actually in a way that honors, that resurrects, that glorifies what is unique and beautiful about every human and culture. Because when the gospel of Jesus is involved, when the good news of Jesus is involved, distinction and uniqueness does not have to lead to division. It doesn't have to lead to division. Uniformity should never be the goal of the body of Christ because there are so many different cultures who will be singing praise to Jesus. Unity is unique because it relies solely on the Holy Spirit. Uniformity is built upon the preference of individuals. That's why hot takes are a thing because we all have preferences, which aren't bad in and of themselves, right? But it's not the goal. Unity is the goal and it's built on the foundation of Jesus alone. The same Lord that dwells in my soul is the same Lord that dwells in your soul. And God's new humanity cannot be fully realized without understanding, without appreciating, and without being connected to the identity of every other culture. Because we already sang it together this morning that he is the king above all kings, that every nation will bow. And for every nation to bow, we've got to understand each other. Unity in Christ does not cancel out differences. Jews in Christ did not become Gentiles. Gentiles in Christ did not become Jewish Christians. Women don't become men. Republicans don't become Democrats. Black people don't become white people or vice versa. You see, we can learn from each other when we follow the Lord together. People don't suddenly have the same abilities, right? It's not unity For the sake of unity, no. It's a new humanity unified under one thing alone Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, let's bring this full circle. Ephesians 2, chapter 8 through 10, what it all is about. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. You see, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. See, Paul lays out the foundation of it all. It always comes back to this. We are saved by Jesus Christ alone. And if you and I ever want to experience unity with each other, unity with others, it requires us to take advantage of the abundant grace that God has poured out for everyone, for us all. And as we take advantage of that grace, as we receive that grace from Jesus Christ, then we can extend the same grace to our brothers and sisters because of the cross. And that grace is made available to us each and every morning when you believe in Jesus often what happens is we fail to remember the fundamental truth of Jesus Christ that we have all been set free through Christ alone. And you see, when we fail to remember the grace that has been freely given to us through Jesus Christ, we will use any kind of identity marker to prove to others, to prove to ourselves that we're better. At least I'm better than that person. least I'm better than those people. No, we're all equal in the eyes of the Lord. And the entire point of the gospel is that no one is better than anyone else. Gentiles were not better than Jews. Jews were not better than Gentiles. God saved us all by his grace alone so that no one can boast about anything that they've done so that no one can boast about anything that they've accomplished so that no one can boast about, well, I've got it all figured out. No, it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. He's the only way we can truly be united together his blood on the cross tore down the dividing wall of hostility between us and god so that we could freely come to him whenever we want but also between us and others only jesus so maybe you're here today and you're thinking man Devin, i'm just i'm so tired I'm so tired of trying to measure up. I'm so tired of feeling like I'll never be as good as those people. I'm so tired of comparing myself to those around me thinking, man, I'll never be good enough. I'm so tired of trying to clean myself up so that I can be worthy of God's love. Can I just speak to you for a second? You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to clean yourself up to run to the Father for his blood was shed for all forever. Every gift, you just have to receive it. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, but Devin, you don't know how mean those people have been to me. You don't know how much hurt those people have caused me or those people are just after, you know, whatever it might be. You don't mean those people, do you, Devin? Yes, the gospel means those people as well. If you remember back to the story of the Samaritan asking Jesus hey who is our neighbor and if you read this text it's really what they're trying to get at is who are the people we don't have to love right? and Jesus says hey, the Samaritan is your neighbor which culturally we don't really understand that context but Jesus extends the gospel further than they could have ever imagined not the Samaritan Jesus yes Even those people, the very blood of Jesus that stained the ground for you and for me is the very blood that poured out for all people everywhere. So maybe you're here and you need to spend some time today reminding yourself of God's grace for you. Asking him to soften your heart. Maybe you need to repent of some thoughts you've had towards others in this crazy divisive time that we live in. Maybe you need to even go to an individual and apologize. I don't know how the Holy Spirit might convict you, encourage you today. I don't know. Maybe you're somewhere in between those two groups and you need a little bit of reminding of both. That's me all the time, right? We all need reminding of both now and again. And the good news of Jesus is that his grace is made new every single day. Would you stand with me this morning? It's all about Jesus. It's why we gather together. As we sing our last song, I wanna read a quote from Eugene Peterson that I think paints such a beautiful picture of God's new humanity worshiping together despite all our differences, despite all the things that may try to divide us. This new humanity worshiping one king together. Eugene writes this, With all our differing levels of intelligence and wealth, background and language, rivalries and resentments, still in worship, we are gathered into a single whole. Outer quarrels and misunderstandings and differences, they pale into insignificance as the inner unity of what God builds in the act of worship is being demonstrated. Listen to that. Misunderstandings and differences pale into insignificance as the inner unity of what God builds in the act of worship is demonstrated that it's the same God who lives in me. It's the same God who lives in you. Jesus, we're grateful for what you did for us on the cross tear down this dividing wall of hostility between us and you but also extend it to the nations so that we could be unified under your authority Jesus God I confess so often I miss that I miss the mark I think the same thoughts of anger and bitterness towards other people that so often we all do Lord would you forgive us Would you help us to be reminded of your grace for us so that we can extend that grace to others. It only comes from your son. It only comes from you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.